Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Today, I want to talk specifically about a topic that I think is really important. As a matter of fact, we do a spiritual, what we call a spiritual survey every single year, uh, once a year, and we, we ask you, what would you like us to talk about? And the topic I'm going to speak on today is always in the top two or three things that you guys say that you want to hear uh, someone speak about. And it's this topic. It's seeking God's voice, like hearing God's voice. God, I want to hear your voice. I want you to speak to me. And I want to know that it is you that is speaking to me. And so we're going to jump into that for just a moment. John chapter 10 will be our main text. And I'll I'll give you some supplemental text today. Uh, But here's what it says in John 10. This is Jesus referring to himself as the good shepherd. And all throughout scripture, you'll see um, the scriptures refer to you and I, to humans, as, as sheep. Here's the thing you need to know about sheep. John Wesley says sheep are prone to wonder. Like we just, we can get off track really easy. I don't know if you found that about yourself, but, but it's so easy to just kind of wander away from, from God and away from spiritual things. It's easy to kind of get off track because in our natural nature, we have a proclivity to go towards things that are not pleasing to God that will just please our flesh. So we're prone to wonder. So we, we don't want to follow our, 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 own, uh, our own desires and our own you know, things that we just kind of want, but we want to follow the good shepherd. And so he talks about that in John chapter 10. And I want to break this down for just a moment. And, uh, and then I, I want to lean into a specific part of this passage. Um, Jesus said this to the Pharisees. These are to religious people who think, they, who think that they really know God, but they don't really know God. He says this to them. Listen to this uh, eternal truth, which simply means this is going to be a truth, a principle. It's going to last for the ages. It's good. It was good then. It's good for now. He said, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen rather than coming through the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. So he's speaking in a parabolic terms. This is a parable. It's a story thrown alongside a truth. It says, but the true shepherd, capital S, which means he's talking about himself. The true shepherd walks right up to the gate And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. Look at this. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd. There's voice recognition there. Says that the the, the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name. Aren't you thankful that God knows your name? Scripture tells us that your name is actually written on the palms of God's hand. You may have never had your name written on a trophy before. That's all right. Your name is inscribed on the hands of God. It says this, he knows your name. He knows your name. And he leads them out. He leads the sheep out for they belong to him. They belong to him. And when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him for they are familiar with his voice. How many of you, by a show of hands today, you say you believe that God still speaks today? How many of you in here, you, you believe God still speaks today? Uh, there is a, a theology that's out there that says that, that God's voice has ceased in, a, in an audible way or in a, a sense of impressions that now what we're left with is just the written word of God. And while I value, I put a high priority on the word of God, the written word of God. It's part of our doctrinal statements. We have, a, we have position papers around what we believe about God's written word. I mean, I read God's written word. I try to every single day of my life. His words are life to me, but I do still believe that God speaks today and that he wants to speak to every single one of us. And he speaks in many ways 
And he speaks in many different, different, through visions and through dreams and through prophetic words and through different things. God wants to speak to your life and to my life. And I love this statement that I read this week. It's by the late Dallas Willard. He's a great theologian, scholar, written tons of great books. If you ever get a chance, read some of his books, Renovation of the Heart. There's a lot of phenomenal books there. But look at what he said referring to uh, the, God's word, God speaking to us. He says this, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. If God does not speak today, if he only speaks to us through just written words, then, then how can we really propagate this idea that God wants to have a personal and intimate relationship with you? I mean, what kind of person would I be, what kind of husband would I be if the only way I spoke to my wife was through cards that I picked up from Walgreens? Now, I should probably get her cards every once in a while. But it's, it's whenever I look at her face to face and we have a conversation and I speak to her and I ask her questions and she listens, I listen to her, she listens to me. We have a dialogue together. Why? Because it's a personal relationship. We're not just reading some antiquated book. We're not just reading some, you know, a bunch of people that have written about God. God doesn't want us just to read about him. He wants us to have a conversation with him. He wants to speak to us and us listen, and he wants us to speak to him and him listen. And we do believe that God still speaks today. Write this down. We have a speaking God, but sometimes we have a hearing problem. <laughs> Bow your heads, close your eyes. Church is over. That's it. That's it right there. <laughs> we have a hearing problem. And sometimes it's hard for us to hear God or sometimes it's hard for us to ascertain if that is truly God or if it was just the pizza that we ate the night before. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to recognize, like, is this God or is it not? Is this me? Am I just having these thoughts? Have you ever been there before where you're just wondering, like, was that God? Because I felt like it's, I, I think it was God, but I don't know for sure. I'm not like 100%. God, is that you speaking to me or was that just me? Is that just like some feelings that I'm having or, or is that really, is that you, God? Are you speaking to me? That's one of the biggest challenges I think the Christians face is that in our journey of maturation, maturing and growing in our relationship with God, we, we've got to understand and learn this art of being familiar with his voice to the point where when he speaks, we know that's him. And when it's something else or someone else, we say, that is not him. That is not my shepherd. We need to know that. Here's a question we're going to tackle for just a little bit. How do you know if the voice you're hearing is actually from God? This is the question. John chapter 10 talks uh, about a lot of things uh, there in the passage of Scripture. It deals with many different issues that are there. And, and I could talk about how Jesus referred to himself as the door, the gate, uh, how he's the shepherd, or the thief that's coming. And there's a lot of different angles. But the part that I want to drill into is the idea of this voice recognition that we have. I love voice recognition on my phone. Do you guys have that on your phone? The voice, it's like one of my favorite features. Voice recognition is amazing, uh, except for whenever she gets it wrong. Like I will say something to my phone, like to Siri or whatever. And it's like trying to recognize what I'm saying. And it will say something completely opposite. And I'm like, no, 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 that, that's not what I was saying. Like you're, you're messing it up, right? I love voice recognition. I love face rec recognition on, on, the, on the newest iPhone. Oh, it's so beautiful. And when it sees my face, it goes, it, it actually, mine speaks to me. I program it. It says, you're so handsome. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying. That's not true. But, but I do love this passage of scripture. You, you need to understand as you begin to study John chapter 10 and you begin to study the context that he's speaking into, when he starts talking about shepherds, like you and I probably don't relate with that much, much because you don't really see shepherds running around San Francisco, right? You, you, you don't really see that. But you would see that in this day. 
And, and as a matter of fact, to the Jewish people, um, e- e- even though shepherds by occupation were not really revered, the, the, the picture that would oftentimes be painted to the Jewish people about leadership was with this idea of shepherding. Uh, you look throughout the Old Testament, you'll see like the judges or the kings or the, or the priests or different people. The scriptures would refer to them as good shepherds, as shepherds that would lead and feed and protect God's people. And God would refer to his people as sheep. The interesting thing about the passage in John chapter 10, as you begin to study uh, you begin to see that there, the picture is that there's a lot of sheep. Just imagine there's hundreds of sheep, and they're in this sheep pen. And, and, and if you begin to look at, at the way that these shepherds would, would have their sheep out in the field, it would be multiple different shepherds with multiple different flocks, and each one owned their different flock. But at the evening time, they would come together with all of their different sheep, and they'd put them inside of one giant pen. Many times it'd be rocks that would be around, large stones that would be around in a circle. And, and they would put all the sheep, they'd lead them into this one area that was an opening, which was the gate. They would lead them into that area and all the sheep from multiple, imagine five, six different shepherds and five or six different flocks all mingling together in one pen. And there'd be one gatekeeper that would be at the opening of that pen. And at night, as the shepherds were resting, the gatekeeper would lay his body across the opening to make sure no one would come in to steal the sheep. And the next morning, the shepherds would have to come through and the gatekeeper would have to identify if this is one of the shepherds over these sheep. And he would approve of them to come in and they would come in and watch this. Imagine this picture. There are, there are five different groups of sheep, right? They're all mingling together, right? You got people from Bernal Heights. You got people from the Sunset. They're, you know, they're everywhere. People, South San Francisco. You got a little, little Oakland representing in there. You know, hey, <laughs> They're mingling together, right? But watch this. This is, this is true of this passage, but it's also true whenever you study the way that shepherding worked in, this, in Eastern times here. The, the shepherd would walk in and he would identify his sheep and he would begin to, he would speak. He would say, th- and they would hear his voice and they would perk up and they would follow him. And he'd just walk out of the gate. And his sheep, they had been around him so long They were so familiar. He had certain things that he would say, certain phrases, certain noises that he would make. I I was with a guy, uh, some guys the other day on this this, this little thing where this guy had a trained dog called a finished Labrador. And he was an $8,000 dog. And this guy would make commands to this dog. And this dog was unbelievable. And here's what's crazy. I would say the same thing that guy was saying to this dog to get him to do these things. And that dog would look at me like, who are you? (laughs) I don't know you, you know. He didn't recognize my voice. He wasn't familiar with my voice. The person that had trained, the owner of that dog had trained that dog and that dog had been around that owner for a long time. He was familiar with his voice. In the same way, in this passage, he says that that when a shepherd walks in, the true shepherd, he identifies his sheep, he calls them by name, and he, as he's speaking, they recognize his voice and he leads them out. And he takes them away. And watch this. They will never follow the voice of a stranger, another shepherd. They will not do it. They will never follow that voice because they don't recognize that voice. And so the question is, how can we have that type of recognition with the voice of God? That when he calls our name and he says, Jason, don't go there. Jason, do this. Jason, stop that. That we can go, we can perk up spiritually. We can perk up and say, that is the voice of God. 
and we follow him in obedience, in radical obedience, because his voice is not for consideration, it's for application. It is for obedience to follow him wherever he may lead us and guide us. How do we do it? Well, we have to do this. We, we have to do what 1 John 4 says. He says this, loved ones, brothers and sisters in Christ, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Notice the, the plurality there, spirits. Do you know that in the same way that God is constantly speaking, that the enemy is constantly speaking as well? Do you know that the enemy wants to speak and disguise himself as God's voice in your life to get you off track? And sometimes it will seem like it's the right thing. There's a way that seems right, Scripture tells us in Proverbs. There's a way that seems right to, to a man or to a woman, but in the end it leads to what? To destruction. There's sometimes there's these ways that seem like they're right, but in the end they lead to the wrong way. But there's constantly spirits that are speaking, and we have to know, is that the spirit of God or is it the spirit of this world? Is that my flesh speaking? Is that my own evil desire speaking? Or is that the spirit of God speaking to me? I love it. You get a picture of this over in, uh, I think the scripture was over in Matthew 16. Do you remember this, where, where Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples? Got all of his homies all around him. He looks over at Simon Peter, and he says, he says to all these guys, he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they're like, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. And si Simon says, no, I say you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and he says, man, flesh did not reveal that to you. The spirit of God, he revealed that to you. God spoke to you and revealed that to you. The, just seconds later, minutes later, Peter starts talking to Jesus. Simon Peter starts talking to Jesus and he says, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to die. You don't need to do all this stuff. Jesus turns and looks at him and he says, get behind me, Satan. In the same moment, God's speaking to him and through him. And, and just moments later, Satan is speaking to him and through him. It's like, this is a constant thing. The spirit is speaking and the spirits are speaking. They're, they're, the enemy will try to speak to us and influence us and allure us off track with what God wants. So let me give you these things. I normally give you three points. I'm a three-point shooter like Curry, but <laughs> today we're going to do an and one, okay? We're going to do a three plus one. We're going to do a four. I'm going to give you four points today. And here's what this is. This is, I, I, I totally, I, I learned these from, uh, from one of my pastors, Pastor Robert Morris. He has a great book. If you want to dig deeper into this, hearing God's voice, get the book called Frequency. Unbelievable book. But these are a few things that I've learned from him mentoring me and coaching me. And for some of you, they may, these may be familiar to you, but some of these, may, maybe these would be a fresh revelation, or maybe it's just reminding you of some truths. But this, this is what I call this. These are the filters. When you think you've heard from God, you need to run that through a filter. And, and I, love, I, I love coffee. I, there's a couple of my friends that are in here. They love to make little pour-overs and V60s and all their stuff. Well, there, you have to have a filter to do what? When you pour water through those, co those gr coffee grounds, that what it does is it seeps through and it's, it leaves you with something pure and it separates the trash. And what you and I have to have is we have to have a filter in our life to vet out and to separate, is this from God or is it not from God? And this, these are four filters that I use. I use them every single time I'm trying to hear from God. Here's the first filter you need to run a word through. It's the scripture filter. And this is this. Here's the question you ask with the, with the scripture filter. Whatever it is that you think that God's speaking to you, you ask this. Does this line up with the Bible? With the Bible? Does this line up with scripture? Write this down. God's voice will never disagree with God's word. Never. Never will. I put a high priority and a high premium on the authority of scripture. That's what we do as a church. We believe that God's written word is the authority in our lives. It's not culture. It's not, it's not uh, 
politics. It's, it's the, what sets the, really the standard, the plumb line for us, for our morality and for everything, it's scripture. It's not our preference. It's not other people's opinions. It's not culture. It's not political correctness. It is the scripture. It is the authority of God's word. And so, so when, when I feel like God's speaking to me, you know what I do? The first thing I go is, let me find this in scripture. Does this align with the written word of God? Because God speaks the way God writes. God speaks the way God writes. Matthew chapter 19, I love this. Um, some, some religious people, they came to Jesus and they asked him his opinion about something. They're like, we want to know your opinion about divorce. And this is a sensitive topic. And I realized before I read this, there may be some of you in here today, you're in the middle of walking through a divorce or you've been divorced or what I understand all those things. Listen, you need to hear me. This is a place of grace and mercy. We believe that God can restore. God can forgive. God has mercy and grace. He doesn't write people off. It doesn't matter if they're divorced, if they're married, if they're single, single again. He doesn't write people off. So understand my heart before I read this. But I'm using this as a, as a, as a picture to illustrate this whole idea of God speaking the way God writes and the authority of scripture as a filter. They ask Jesus, they say, hey, will you speak to this topic? We wanna to know your opinion about divorce. Um, the, the Pharisees were intent on putting Jesus to the test with difficult questions. So they approached him and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Look at Jesus' response. He doesn't state his position or his opinion. He says this, haven't you read the scriptures? He, I love how Jesus answers questions with questions. Haven't you read the, uh, the scriptures about creation? Jesus replied, the creator made us male and female from the very beginning. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and live with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. From then on, they are no longer two, but united as one. So what God unites, let no one divide. In other words, when Jesus was asked to speak or to share his position on a particular topic, he doesn't just state his opinion. He speaks in alignment with what is written in scripture. This is what he does. This is, this, you got to understand this, this is a hot button question that they're asking him. He's in the region of Judea, which is where um, Herod is, is, is ruling as king here. And you, you need to remember, remember John the Baptist, remember that guy? John the Baptist actually comes in and challenges Herod because Herod divorces his wife. And because he challenges that, guess what Herod does? He has John beheaded because his divorce was challenged by scripture. So Jesus has pressure on him right now. They're trying to, they're trying to trap Jesus. And even though there's a, a cultural pressure, a political pressure, he still doesn't buckle. He says, my opinion doesn't matter. God's word matters. Amen. A lot of times people ask me questions about different positions, especially in San Francisco all the time. What's your position on this? What's your position on this? What's your opinion about this? And, and really it's like, my opinion doesn't matter. My position doesn't matter. What matters is the authority of God's word. That's what matters. Now, here's the caution for you, is that many people have what I call selective scripture use, <laughs> right? You ever notice how people can, they can find like one scripture to support their position or their preference? And you know those people that do that? And, and it's just unbelievable. And I want to give you just a little tip with this. I believe that whenever there is a position that you are to hold, a theology you're to possess, that there should be multiple scriptures spread throughout the entirety of scripture to support that. If you just find one scripture to support your opinion, your position, whatever, you're probably going to find yourself having some pretty whack theology. Just there's the disclaimer there. 
I would, I, would, I would submit to you the idea, I'd make a proposition to you, that you have multiple scriptures to be able to support if this is truly what the voice of the Lord is in your life. Let me just give you this. This was a Jewish practice. Look over in Deuteronomy chapter 19. It says, you must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Matthew 18, another part. If, if another believer... Sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others, so that's three, with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. This is the third time I am coming to visit you, Paul says. Uh, and as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I, I love this because this, this really guides me as even a communicator of God's word. Have you ever noticed that any time whenever I give a, you a point or a proposition, I always support it with multiple different scriptures? Here's why. I want to show you that I've done my homework. In algebra, I felt it every single time I took the class. Hated algebra. Matter of fact, I failed every math course I ever took. I went to summer school every summer for mathematics stuff, and I hated it. But with algebra, the thing I hated about algebra the most is I would, I would give the answers, and Miss Darla Jackson, bless her little heart, <laughs> every single time she'd look at me, and she'd give me my paper back, and she'd say, I see that you've answered everything, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I just need to see your work. Show me your work. When you have multiple scriptures to support what you think God is speaking to you, it shows that you have done your work to support it. Uh, Luke chapter 21 says this, heaven and earth will disappear, but God says, my words will never disappear. My words will never, listen, his word is eternal and it will remain. Let that be the first filter for you to know if God's speaking to you. If, if you feel like God's speaking to you, the first thing you should do, bring it back to God's word. And if it contradicts or it opposes what the written word says that has stood the test of time for thousands of years, then listen, it may not be God. Let that be the first filter. Here's the second one. This is my favorite filter, the Jesus filter. It's the Jesus filter. Here's the question. Does it make me more like Jesus? If, if you feel like God's speaking something to you to do something, to be a part of something, and it doesn't lead to more transformation the renovation of your heart internally and in the external renovation of your life, if it doesn't lead to transformation, then it may not be from God. It's the Jesus filter. Does this impression, if I follow through with this impression, will it make me more like Jesus? Listen, God's goal is to make you and I more like Jesus. It's not just for you to be more like your true self. It's for you to be more like Jesus. That is your true self. It's for you to be transformed into the image of Jesus, to go from glory to glory to glory. Look what Romans chapter 8 says in verse 29. He says, for he, God, knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us or predestined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. That is that you and I, the purpose of our life is not just to make a difference, but is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That is God's number one goal for your life. It's not just for you to, to join some cause and to make a difference. That is important. It's part of our vision statement here. But the first thing is God wants you to know him and he wants you to be, be conformed 
And to the image of Jesus in likeness, in character, in conduct, he wants you to become more like Jesus. And if you think God is speaking to you, or if I think God is speaking to me, that is going to lead me into a way that does not transform my life internally and externally to become more like Jesus, then it may not be like him. If it caused digression, if it makes you move away from Jesus, it is not him. So I've had people tell me before, like, I really think that, you know, God's okay. I may have read scripture and stuff. God's okay for me to, you know, for me to have premarital sex before I get married because, you know, you wouldn't buy a car unless you test drove it. You wouldn't buy a pair of shoes unless you tried them on. Like, you know, like, like, and so I just think that it's God's will because, you know, I don't want to like get married and then like we don't have a good sexual intimacy type life and we should like try it out first. And don't you think that that, that's God's will for my life? I'm like, no, that doesn't, that's not going to help you become more like Jesus. And I hear this all the time as a pastor I have for years, especially when I was a youth and young adult pastor. The things that I heard from teenagers about God spoke to me that I really needed to do this. This was the Lord. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. I think the devil gets more credit than what he deserves and God gets more blame than what he deserves. The things that you and I blame on God. You know, God spoke to me to do this and now he's let me down. Really? Do you think he spoke to you? If it doesn't make us more like Jesus, it probably wasn't his voice. Philippians 2, verse 5, in your lives, you must think and act like Jesus. 1 John 2, whoever says that he lives in God must live as Jesus lived. It's old school, but it's still good, even though it's cheesy. Do you remember the bracelets? What would Jesus do? The WWJD? We need to resurrect, like we need to get t-shirts. WWJD. Okay, people may beat us down in San Francisco for wearing that, but, uh, but I think we should at least remember it. Like, honestly, think about this. Next time when you think that God's asking you to do something, just ask, here's a filter. Would Jesus do that? Like, would Jesus do that? Well, you know, I'm just going there because I'm going to be a witness and I'm going to be a a light in the darkness and that's why I'm going to the crack house. No. (laughs) That's so extreme, Jason. That's a terrible illustration. You know, it's like, it's amazing the things that we do blame on God. And one of the best filters is, does it line up with scripture? And will it make me more like Jesus? It's the Jesus filter. I remember this guy telling me one time, we sat down and uh, we were doing a little counseling session. And it wasn't here. This was back in years ago. So I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here, but I am throwing someone under the bus. Uh, anyway, um, but this guy sat down with me and it was unbelievable. He said, he said, you know, man, he goes, I was praying and was reading my Bible and Bible talks a lot about stewardship and being a good steward of your finances and stuff. And man, you know, things are really tight right now for me and for my girlfriend. And so we just thought, you know what, I, I, we were praying and we just felt like together that God was calling us to a new level of stewardship and that we should move in together to be, you know, save our money because it's so expensive and we should steward our money better so that we can be a blessing to the kingdom. I'm like, oh, that's interesting that you came to that conclusion there. He's like, it was a scripture filter, right? But is it making you more like Jesus? Like, would Jesus move in with her? <laughs> He's like, no, nah, man, he probably wouldn't. I'm like, well, then maybe you shouldn't either. If it doesn't make us more like Jesus, it may not be his voice. I call it the Jesus filter. Here's the third one for you. Does this help anybody? Help anybody? Okay. God bless you for coming up and making me sound spiritual <clears throat> on the keys. Third one is this, the counsel, the counsel filter. Here's the question. Does godly counsel agree with this? This is an important one because you can, you can actually, we are so, we are so naturally uh, broken as, as humans 
that we can actually read scripture and read something. It's called eisegesis. Exegesis is when you read scripture and it speaks to you from the text. Eisegesis is when you read the text and you speak into the text, your opinion. I think that we can read scripture and think we've passed the scripture filter. And we're so twisted sometimes we can be like, yeah, if I move in with her, it means she really makes me a better person. She's going to make me more like Jesus. We can be twisted. But I'm telling you, if you have godly counsel in your life, they can see things that you don't see. And, and they, they will speak. The key is godly counsel. Like there's some people that we will surround ourselves with that we will gravitate towards that share our same opinions. That we'll, we will find people to agree with us so that we can have the things that we want in our life that may not make us more like Jesus. It's important that you have the counsel filter in your life. I look for the consensus of three godly counselors with every big decision that I have to make to make sure that I'm truly hearing from God. This helps me to discern the decisions I need to make. Is this God's voice? And I seek these three, I have these three spiritual men. They love God with all their heart. These are godly men. They love me and my wife and my children with all their hearts. They love you. They love this church. And I know they hear from God. These are not just like some rando guys I picked out like, man, he looks like he's a pretty smart guy. You should come and speak into my life. No, no, these are, these are people that I have observed for a while and I know their character. And when I have to make big decisions, I ask these men, will you, will you speak into this? And listen to me, if there's not a consensus, if there's not a, a unanimous agreement among all of them, if we're not in unity, then the answer is no. We don't move forward in whatever that thing is. This is what I suggest that you have in your life. Why? Because the scripture says it like this, Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of fools seems right. Like, this is just a reality. We have certain things that seem right in our life. And sometimes we can make foolish decisions. But he says this, but the wise listen to advice. We listen to advice. We lean into counselors. Proverbs 11, people lose their way without wise leadership. Look at this. Look at the scope of this. But a nation succeeds and stands in victory when it has many good counselors to guide it. You want to live your life in victory? You want to walk in victory in your life? You need to have godly counselors in your life, people that can speak into your life, that God will speak through, and that can become a filter. Like you can say, I think God is saying this to me. Would you pray with me about this? And let them speak into it. Proverbs chapter 19 says, listen well to wise counsel and be willing to learn from correction so that by the end of your life, you'll be known for your wisdom. Isn't that good? Proverbs 24, it's better to be wise than strong. This is actually why I stopped working out and started reading. <laughs> it's better to be wise than strong. It's so dumb. It's better to be wise than strong. Intelligence outranks muscle. Amen. Any day, any day. Strategic planning is key to warfare. Look at this. To win, you need a lot of good counsel. You want to win in your life? I want to win in my marriage. I want to win as a parent. I want to win as a pastor. Listen, well, then I need the, the counsel filter in my life to make sure that I'm not getting off track and getting into a weird, weird place where it will ruin my life. Here's the application for you. I want you to seek three godly counselors. If you don't have them, in this 21 days, pray. Say, God, help me to identify three godly men or women that I can, I can have speak into my life and speak into the big decisions of my life. You know if they love you, if this, if they're there for you on, the, on your best days, on your bad days, and on your big decision days. If, if they can't be there for you on those three times, then they're not good people to speak into your life. 
You need to have three godly counselors that can speak into your life and ask the right questions. Don't just ask them. I don't ask my three, the three men that I, that I have uh, as a filter in my life. I don't just ask them, hey, what do you think I should do? That's the wrong question. Here's what I say. I sense that the Lord is speaking this to me. Would you pray about this with me and let me know what he says to you? That's the way I say it. Here's what I sense the Lord is saying. Would you join with me and pray about this and let me know what he may speak to you? And if there's, for those three, if I don't have a consensus of all three of those people, then I know this probably isn't from the Lord because I believe them and I trust them. And here's the last one. Here's the final filter for you. It's the peace filter. This one is so important. This is where you ask the question, do I sense the peace of God about this? You know, when you think, I'm, I really think I'm supposed to move here. I'm supposed to take this job. I'm supposed to do this, but I'm so confused. Listen to me. God is not the author of confusion. He's the God of peace. God will give you peace. This is so important. Philippians 4 says this, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer. That's why we're doing 21 days. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Don't just pray for five minutes in the morning. Throughout your day, talk with God. He wants to speak with you. Offering your faithful request before God with overflowing gratitude. Look at this. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. In other words, you don't have to be, you don't have to go back and forth. I wonder if this is God or if it's not, if it's me, if it's not. You can actually, you can pray and say, God, I want you to speak into this and give me your peace. And if it's, if it's the Lord speaking to you to move or to take this job or to do this, God will give you a sense of peace. He will do that. Now, here's, here's the final question I have for you. I had somebody ask me this when I shared these four things with them. They said, well, Jason, where does like prophetic words, where does that come into play with this? Is the prophetic, here's what that means in case you're new to church. Prophetic is simply this, God speaking to a person on behalf of someone else and then speaking that word through that person to encourage that person. That's it. It's when God speaks through a person to another person to build them up, to encourage them. So someone asked me this question. They said, is the prophetic, is that a filter to know if God's speaking to you? And the answer is no, no. The prophetic is not a filter, it's subservient to the filter. See, if someone comes to you and says, I got a prophetic word, the Lord, the Lord wants to say this to you, which first of all, I never say that to people. I say this, I just really sense this. I kind of take God out of it because I don't want to blame him for me screwing somebody up. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I was just praying, I felt this, I sensed this. If some of you in here, you may have the grace and the gift to speak prophetically into people's lives. Listen to me. I want to encourage you. Don't go to people and say, thus saith the Lord. Don't go to people and say, God told me to tell you this. Really? Well, why didn't he speak to them? Okay, don't say that. But what you should say is, I was praying. Here's what I sensed. I really just felt this. I sensed this. And I, I hope it encourages you. Say it. But when someone does that to you, when someone comes up to you, maybe in our church or somewhere else, or maybe the church you grew up in or whatever, and they say, I just sensed that the Lord was saying this. That is not a filter for you to make decisions. Never make decisions based on prophetic words that have not been ran through the filter of four. See, when someone says this is a word from the Lord, the first one is this, the first filter. Well, does that word line up with God's word? Second one is, does it point me to Jesus? The third one is, let me submit this to the elders of the church, to godly counsel, and see what they have to say. Let them weigh the word. And the fourth one is, does that word bring confusion or peace? You see, the prophetic is subservient to the filter. And I want to encourage you with that today. Now, hopefully that's been helpful to you. But let me, let me tell you these, these three things. This is what you want you to continue to do. After these 21 days, here's three things I want you to continue to do. 
It's out of John chapter 10, actually in verse 4, 5, and verse 27. The first one is seek God's voice daily. Here's why. Because John 10 says that the shepherd's voice was familiar to the sheep. They recognized it. You will, you will not have voice recognition unless you're in close proximity over a long period of time. Listen, repetition brings recognition. Repetition brings recognition. The more you hear his voice, the more familiar it will become. I want to encourage you every day, beyond this 21 days, every day, just spend some time saying, God, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Lord, I want to, I want to hear your voice. Speak to me. I want to recognize your voice. I want to know your voice. I want to follow your voice. See God's voice daily. John 10, 4 says, and when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walks ahead of them. That's leadership. He walks ahead of them and they follow him for they are familiar with his voice. God wants you to be familiar with his voice. Worship the Lord daily. Get into the word, pray, podcast, those things. And the more you hear God's voice, the more he'll be familiar to you. The second one is seek to silence voices that oppose God's voice in your life. This is very important. You've got to get the stranger's voice out of your life. If it's not the shepherd's voice, if it doesn't align with the shepherd's voice, it's not a voice that should be speaking into your life. John 10, 5, but they will run away from the strangers. The strange voice, they'll run away from it and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. There's some people, and I, I just believe this, that there's some people that a lot of times we surround ourselves with, it's a strange voice. The sad thing is that their strange voice, it's strange, it's not the shepherd's voice, but their strange voice has become the familiar voice. And now we're following those voices. My challenge to you is to pray, God, who are voices in my life? That may be literal people, that could be content that you're consuming, that have, have become the most familiar voice. And so you wonder why you end up in certain places in your life, not in the place that God would have for you. It's because there's a familiar voice that's leading you in a different direction. Get away from those strange voices that oppose God's voice. And the third one and the final one is this, is seek to obey whatever God says for you to do. Seek to obey him. John 10, 27, he says, my own sheep, the ones that belong to me, will hear my voice and I know each one of them and they will follow me. You wanna, you wanna see God's voice become louder and clearer in your life? You wanna know what the key is? Obedience. When God tells you to serve, you serve. When God tells you to give, you give. When God tells you to be quiet, be quiet. When God tells you to forgive, forgive. The more obedient you are to the known will of God, the known voice of God, the more clear the unknown voice of God would be to your life. When you don't know if it's him or not, I'm telling you, the more obedient you are to the things you know he's already told you to do, it'll be so clear whenever he speaks, you're like, that's him. Because you know it's through obedience and application that revelation will come in your life. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.